Good morning. Just making sure you're awake. We're glad to see Elizabeth here. Elizabeth, raise your hand. There she is. She's still our church member. Even though she's living down in Loma Linda and she can't make it up here unless her family comes and brings her up here, so we're glad that Melvin and June brought her up here. Now, if we can get them to do that each week, just because they live up in Napa Valley doesn't mean they can't come down each week. Just start out on Thursday. Sermon title is Basic Training. If you've ever been in the military service, you know what basic training is. How many have been in military service? Okay, you know boot camp, don't you? Yeah. It's quite... Yeah, See if I can get this. It's got it all goofed up now. There's a way of switching around. We're going to have to go without that. Just go ahead and flip that off. I don't have time to... You can just flip the thing up on the projector because you're going to not get the full screen and I don't have time to switch it over here. When you join the military service and you go to basic training... There are some things that are fun and new in this type of training, but for the most part, it teaches you teaches you the very basics of life itself on how to function in life. For example, they teach you how to wash clothes, the proper way to spit shine your shoes. Remember those days, Paul? Hours. Spent shining shoes. Proper way to hang your clothes on a clothesline. Many young people today don't even know what a clothesline is. They even teach you how to shave. Just the guys, sorry ladies. They teach you how to make your bed and brush your teeth. A lot of these basic skills should have been taught when you were at home. But you would be surprised how many young men never learned these things at home. So they went back to basic skills. And it's not just in the military service, but it happens in other places. I have an old high school buddy that became a professional football player for the Atlanta Falcons football team. One day he was sharing with me that the team in one game was making a lot of mistakes. Professionals can make mistakes, you know that. They were making a lot of mistakes and the coach was getting frustrated. They lost the game. But guess what he did on Monday? Let's go back down to the field, the practice field, and go through the basic skills that you should have learned back in high school. And so they went back to the basic skills itself to make them better people, better individuals. Do you know that sometimes we in our church, we need to do the same thing with our Christian experience? Many of us have been in the church for such a long period of time that we think we know everything there is to know about the Bible and church beliefs. And so what we do is we sometimes skip over the very basics of the system of our faith. 
So let me give you an example of what we skip over in a simple, well-known Bible verse. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Very familiar verse. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. We've all read this text many a times. We even see it quoted on yearly Christmas cards that we send out. It has become so familiar to us, these words are so familiar, that we don't think about it much anymore. The context of this text is when an angel tells Joseph that Mary, a virgin, will have a son, and Joseph is to name that son Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. We kind of let that name roll off our tongue without thinking about the meaning. God with us. The text is a basic Old Testament prophecy made by Isaiah and Jesus fulfills that prophecy as being God with us. Am I right? To some, the idea of God being among us is very scary. If God is with me, some people think, He's going to condemn me. He's going to condemn me because of my sinful life. Take a look at John. John chapter 3. John 3, verses 17 through 19. John 3, verses 17 through 19. John 3, 17 through 19. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, that's God with us, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The basic Bible teaching is this. God is with us because he desires to save us. We sometimes forget that. His whole purpose in coming to this world is to give the gift of eternal life. Condemnation comes only to those who refuse his help because they desire to remain in their sins. 
They'd rather have sin than have Jesus. God is also with us to reveal what the unseen God is like. Take a look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 22. Luke chapter 10 and verse 22. Jesus is speaking. Luke ten twenty two. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And who the Father is except the Son. And the one to whom the Son will reveal him. Jesus came to reveal the unseen God. So if Jesus was with us to reveal the Father, then what can I learn about God through the life of Jesus? Well, let's go back to the basics. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, another familiar story. We've heard it over and over and over again. But do we ever think about what this is teaching us? What it's really saying about our God. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was the creator of the world. So think about it for a moment. The one who created the earth came not in a raging whirlwind nor a fire. He didn't enter this world in all of his glory, but he shrank down so small that he became a fertilized egg in a mother's womb. Think about that. Let it register in your mind. That egg would divide and redivide until a fetus took shape, growing inside the womb of a nervous teenage mother named Mary. And she gave birth to a helpless child a baby that depended upon an economically poor family to give him food, shelter, and love. 
from heaven down to just a little egg. Look how far down he came. Look how helpless he was after his birth. Think about this. At one time, Jesus had holy angels surrounding him, giving him constant praise and willing to do whatever he asked. But in the darkness of night, only a handful of shepherds came to a smelly old barn to see a baby. The religious Jews, by the way, classified the shepherds as godless, hopeless human beings because they were, ew, shepherds. So God with us was being surrounded and praised by outcasts in the religious world. You would have thought it would have been the other way around. What else does this teach us about our God? The Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus was one who had humbled himself when he came to this earth. He humbled himself. Emmanuel is also approachable by all the outcasts of the world. Do you know in other religions, for example, Hindus, do you know why they offer food sacrifices to the Hindu gods in the Hindu temples? Because they're afraid. They're trying to make that god or many gods happy. They're afraid that if they make them mad or upset, that the gods will take it out upon them, take out revenge upon them. Do you know why a Muslim bows down so low that he actually touches his forehead to the ground? He's, he's trying to appease a God in heaven to make them think that I am going to bow down as low as I can. A lot of this is based on fear. They're afraid of their gods. The Jews during the days of Jesus were so afraid of God that they refused to pronounce His name. And when they wrote out God's name in the Scriptures, they, did, they wouldn't write out His name. They'd leave out certain letters and, or put in other things like Lord or whatever so that they wouldn't, have, wouldn't speak the name of God. They thought that they'd were unworthy to be able to speak even his name. And yet Jesus, God with us, humbled himself to come down to this world to be with us hopeless human beings because he loved us. We shouldn't be afraid of him. This helpless baby was dependent upon human care in the first few years of his life in order to live. If you was to look at a baby 
either in your arms or someone else's arms, is that someone to be fearful of? They are so sweet and so helpless until they have a dirty diaper or they're hungry. Can you imagine the creator of the universe coming down to this world and had to have someone else feed him? I had a lady one time in a church that I had mentioned the fact that his mother, Mary, had to change Jesus' diapers. She says, my Jesus is so perfect that he never had dirty diapers. He did. Jesus was approachable. by those who believe that they are absolutely nothing spiritually. Kind of like those outcast shepherds. Take a look at John. Turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40. He's talking about us. Jesus is. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 37. All that the Father gives me, that's us, is given to Jesus, come to me, and the one who comes to me I will bring no, by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last days. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last days. When God came to be with us, he came as this newborn baby in a manger. He came... Wrap his body wrapped tight in these cloths. And in Jesus, God found a way of relating to human beings that didn't involve fear at all. That this God is humble and he is approachable and he desires nothing more than to save us. God with us. He's not to be feared. He's to be loved. Look what the Apostle Paul says in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4 verse 16. If you think that you don't have the right to be able to approach Jesus because you're such a sinful human being, look what it says. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly Unto the throne of what? Grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I can come boldly because my God is approachable. He's not going to reject me. He's going to help me. He desires nothing more than to help me. 
We can come to him at any time without fear of condemnation and rejection. During our times of great need, we can find divine help. Did you know that Jesus, who was God with us, is for the underdog? You know where the term underdog comes from? Dog fights. The losing dog was always under the one who was winning. The one who was being defeated, who was the weakest, was the underdog. Sinful human beings and our human nature believes that the that only the rich and powerful of the word world are able to survive any situation. I'd mentioned in my Sabbath school class this morning that a lot of church members come to me and says, "Well, it says in the Bible, God helps those who help themselves." You heard that? It's not in the Bible. Benjamin Franklin is the one that said it in Poor Richard's Almanac. It's not in the Bible. But we think it's in the Bible. So we think that that's biblical, that God's only going to help us if we're strong enough to be able to help ourselves. So we're going to use our talents and our, and our abilities and our riches and our power to be able to get ahead in life and God will bless us for it. That's not what it says in the Bible. The mother of Jesus makes a beautiful statement when she was praising God after being chosen to be the mother of Emmanuel. Luke chapter 1, verses 52 and 53. Luke chapter 1, verses 52 and 53. Here's what we sometimes call the song of Mary. It's a song of praise. Luke 1, verses 52 and 53. Speaking about God, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Guess whose side God's on? Jesus, many times had tremendous compassion for the poor, the sick, the powerless, and the oppressed people. In short, he cared for the underdogs. Does that mean he hates the rich and the powerful? No, Jesus came to offer salvation to all mankind, to the entire world. But those things that the world feels is necessary to bring about happiness and to solve problems can actually become a stumbling block in their Christian experience. Look what Jesus says in Mark 10. Mark 10, verses 23 through 25. Mark 10, verses 23 through 25. Mark 10, verses 23 through 25. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches 
to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. We want to believe that our power and our money will bring great pleasure, will bring hope, and will bring assurance to our our families, our friends, our church, and our society. But these things may become the very problem that hinders us from accepting the free gift of eternal life. But to the one who has nothing, the underdog, who is looked down upon by others in the community, and sometimes even within the church, the gift that Jesus offers brings great pleasure and hope. Jesus is for the underdog. If you have problems and you feel like you just can't get through it on your own strength, the good news is Jesus is on your side. Oh, by the way, Jesus knows what it's like to be the underdog. He was born into a poor carpenter's family. He was raised in a city where its inhabitants were considered as worthless. Anything ever good come out of that city? His mother had a reputation of having, of, of being a mother with an illegitimate child. Jesus was ridiculed and condemned by the religious leaders at his trial. That tells me that God with us was raised as an underdog. And he knows what it's like. The basic teaching of the scriptures also tells me that Emmanuel was very courageous. It took a lot of courage for Jesus to leave the glory of heaven to become God in human flesh and to die on a cross that was meant for a murderer. Look what else it says in Hebrews 2, verse 9. Hebrews 2, verse 9. And then also verse 18. Hebrews 2, verse 9, and then verse 18. Look at the courage. Remember, Jesus in heaven, all the angels are waiting on him hand and foot because he is the glorious one. But look what it says, Hebrews 2 verse 9. But we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. It takes a lot of courage to be the top dog and then become the underdog. It took a lot of courage to go from the glory of heaven to the death on the cross. But he did it because he loves us. 
God with us became very courageous in facing temptation and death so that we in our fears and weaknesses can be helped and understood. There's a lot of other places in the Bible that brings us brings to mind the courageous Jesus. He fought with the dragon and his angels in heaven before they were cast out to this earth. That took courage. Later he came to this earth as a helpless child with an anxious devil waiting to devour him with death, with a death decree placed on all newborn male children. Jesus willingly went into the wilderness and after 40 days without food, while he was weak, tired, and hungry, he faced the ridicule and the temptations of the devil head on. All that takes a lot of courage. Yes, it's important to go back to the basics of Christianity. Because sometimes we just skip over the basics. And we don't stop to think about the little tiny things that can mean so much to us. Jesus is God with us, not against us. Jesus is the God of strength that is with us. Jesus is the humble God that left all of heaven to come down to this earth to be with us. Jesus knows what it's like to be the underdog and understands us as underdogs and is willing to help us. I think that sounds pretty good, don't you? So what I'm going to do next week, we have someone coming to talk about religious liberty, which is important. Because we're losing a lot of liberties within our own lives now. So we need to hear what he has to say. But the week after that, I want to begin to share with you just some of the basics that we can find within the Bible because I feel it's important. If we don't get back to the basics, we could lose out totally before Jesus comes. But in the meantime, what I want you to do is I want you to take your hymnal and I want you to turn to hymn number 152, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. It's the basic story. And we want to begin to write it on our hearts to understand the words, the basic words and the basic meanings of God with us. Hymn number 152.
Father, thank you for sending Emmanuel to be with us. We as sinners humbly ask for forgiveness of our sins and to invite Emmanuel to be a part of our lives, to live and to work, to give to us hope in us as we accept his gift of eternal life. In his name we pray. Amen.